Hey, so this episode is a really great conversation, but I'm pretty sure the podcast gods had it in for me and didn't want this to be released because when I was recording, uh, the computer battery died. I had all kinds of difficulties. I had to move to two different rooms while I was having the conversation. And then when I was trying to edit the podcast, I had some corrupt files, all kinds of problems. But I've managed to salvage it. I use my backup files and it doesn't sound quite at the level uh, quality wise that you might be used to from this podcast, but it's still absolutely listenable. And this was a really fun conversation. So I hope you check it out. I hope you enjoy. And we'll be back to your regular standards on the next episode. If you're like me, you probably have a closet full of local band merch. And whether you know it or not, a lot of that band merch is probably made by Divine Shirt Company right here in Winnipeg. Divine Shirt Company has made all of the Great Witch Police merch from our hoodies to our toques to our t-shirts. And if you're looking to get anything done, like screen printing, embroidery, graphic design, digital printing, go to see Divine Shirt Company at divineshirtcompany.ca and tell them which police radio sent you. One of our colleagues, Sam Thompson, who, um, if you saw him, you'd sort of right away assume he was a hippie. Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Which police radio? Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Which police radio? All right, welcome to Witch Please Radio. I always like to say this as a disclaimer that I'm in my pantry. It's kind of my secondary recording location. And I know that people, you know, who are listening to this can't see all the cans and, and boxes and everything around me, but it's uh, it sounds good in here. And I kind of like recording in here, actually. So um, I'm here in my pantry online with someone who has not been on the show before, but I don't want to say I've been familiar with your work, but the name has been familiar. I've definitely heard of you. And uh, cool. I, I think... <laughs> since hearing of you and wanting to kind of look into more about what you do, uh, I've definitely kind of delved into, into a lot of it. And I think that you're someone interesting to talk to on the show in the sense that what you do is very different than a lot of the kind of more straight ahead bands or, or singers, songwriters, things like that. Right. That, that I have sure. podcast. So <laughs> yeah. you're still doing something very creative, very artistic, um, very much could be considered music in a bit of a different way than again, some of these other artists I have on here, but right. I think the best way to sort of get this started is if you want to introduce yourself and maybe just give a bit of background about what you do, because uh, again, I think it's something very different. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So my name is Cole Peters. Um, I'm currently based in Winnipeg, been in Winnipeg for a while, um, did a brief stint in uh, London, UK, but yeah, most, most of my life been here in Winnipeg. Um, I can, yeah, I'm sort of consider myself like a visual and sound artist. Uh, so I work in a few mediums, uh, the past year or two has been primarily in sound. Uh, and in terms of work in sound, um, it's largely focused between uh, field recording. Mm-hmm. Um, so just going out into the world and recording sounds uh, and then coming back home into the home studio. And, um, you know, there's different approaches that people take to field recording. Um, some of it might be more like a music concrete approach where you're doing a lot of chopping up and sort of yeah. reconfiguring that sound. Um, and other approaches to do um, sort of more just collage and letting the recordings breathe a little bit more on their own. Um, I sort of fall in between those two camps. Um, and then additionally, I do uh, a fair bit of sort of exploration of um, sort of analog synthesis, um, okay. not really in sort of, uh, I guess, the more traditional musical sense, but more of like a textural sense. Um, yeah, I guess that's sort of the, the bird's cool. eye view of everything. Yeah. 
Cool. So, I mean, let's just go back to the, uh, the field recording stuff, because mm -hmm. I think that, you know, like, that's something that I think makes sense on one level, but then the idea of recording something just when you're out and you're getting some kind of sounds that are happening in the world and then finding a way to turn those into a, into an art piece. I think that's the part that maybe a lot of people would be sort of confused on how that works. So when you're out and you have your recorder with you, what are you looking for? Is it, is it are you actually seeking out certain sounds that you know are going to be something that inspires and, and, and kind of works well towards creating a larger piece? Um. Tunics, well, some of the time, yeah. Um, when I started out doing field recording, it, it was almost more akin to um, almost what you might consider like a Foley art, uh, where you're okay. making specific sounds. Um, so for me, you know, I might have had a piece that I'd made uh, primarily starting on a synthesizer, and I might think of a sound that I wanted that I couldn't make electronically. Okay. okay. Uh, so, you know, I might go out and bang some metal around or something like that. Um, I've not been doing so much of that recently. Lately, it's been a lot more um, kind of just about exploring um, sort of the sound world out there and just seeing what I encounter. Okay. Um, I think especially um, since COVID and, you know, being um, in a situation where you just spend a lot of time inside in your own place, um, I've been really keen to find other ways to be out in the world um, yeah. and exploring it. Um, so that's been a really, really interesting way um, to sort of find a new, uh, I guess, appreciation for, for what's out there. Well, you mentioned uh, as far as the, the, the synthesizer stuff, too, is that you're looking for textures. Is that sort of the same thing that you're looking for when it comes to field recordings? Is it more of a, um, I guess, like a vibe than, than an actual specific sound or tone? It is. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, increasingly um, I'm kind of just going to spots that seem like they may have an interesting sonic character to them without okay. necessarily having an idea of what that might be. Um, but yeah, primarily um, textures is really something that I, I find pretty fascinating. Um, but it can also be um, almost like verging on melodic. Um, sure. A few months back, I was, uh, you know, sort of looking for sounds in a parking lot. Um, they've been really interesting to be in when there are no people around and just sort of hearing sort of like the uh, room tone almost of the parking lot okay. and I guess there was some you know maybe some cleaning going on and there was just this hum going through the whole parking lot um, that when I came back and listened to it I mean it sounded like a drone piece uh, there are sure. all of these sort of microtones just floating through it um, so yeah texture is is, is definitely a, a big part of it but yeah also just tone and vibe um, there's you know it's surprising how much we hear of that on an everyday basis but don't actually register as um, you know, musical. Yeah, yeah. Well, a lot of that in in more traditional music that's taken out. Right. <laughs> well, exactly. They're removing the hum. They're removing the 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 ambient noise in the background to to make the music more pure sounding. And, and you're so you're sort of doing it in the reverse way, where you're getting yeah. all that uh, noise detritus, if you want to call it, and and turning that into something. So what? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I've listened to your stuff, and I've listened to other things that that are I would consider to be similar. Mm. Um, in, in just concept conceptually, but, and I know what sounds good to me, although unlike with like, you know, a pop record or a jazz record or a hip hop record, I can't explain what it is that I like about it. <laughs> what, 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 what makes this stuff good? Like, what, I mean, to you as a listener, <laughs> I mean, I don't mean to seem like completely ignorant of the, no, of no, the genre, no, no, of but you know what I mean? Like it definitely seems on the surface, like, okay, I could, I have a recorder. I could go out and record some, some noise and some yeah. sound and some, some ambient world, you know, um, background uh, 
sounds and then but what makes that act into an actual an actual piece like i guess how do you know when you've hit on something that that really works for you as a creator i mean in a funny way it's almost the same thing when i when i hear something or i make a recording and and i register it as being good uh a lot of the time i can't really quantify what it is you know it's sure. sort of like uh you can boil it down just like you could with um you know, pop music, maybe you can say, well, it has a really catchy hook or something like that. But it's like, well, what makes a catchy hook? I don't know. Like it, you know, you know, it makes me want to jam. I don't know. Right. Um, with a field recording, it's, it's almost the same way. Um, and there's a lot of times where, you know, I might go out to have, um, I might have a sound in mind when I go out. And again, that doesn't happen too often, but I might think of a place and think, oh, that place must sound really cool. And when I get there, um, it doesn't sound interesting. Right. Right. Um, so it's, I think it's, you know, it's really hard to quantify that sort of thing. Um, one of the, one of the sort of um, top artists in my mind working with field recording, Lawrence English has written a lot about um, what he refers to as field recording being an exercise in uh, conveying the listener's listening. Okay. Um, and so he talks a lot about, um, what does it mean to be able to convey to another listener what it's like to be the recordist listening to something interesting? Okay, that's cool. Um, yeah. And that that exists on like a technological level, or uh, or I guess a, a technical level in terms of you know selecting the microphones that best convey what you're listening to. Um, but again, a lot of the time, it's it's an almost indescribable thing, um, which I think is quite similar to music. I mean, I can't tell you why I like exactly listening to really textural bass music it just sure. sounds good to me right so yeah it does it does it's, I mean, it's hard to yeah. hard to stick a pin in it for sure yeah.
is there emotion in, in, in field recordings? I mean, mm. uh, I'm sure there is because music in general, any genre really, that's sort of the hook for a lot of people is they feel something, whether it's, you know, something direct from lyrics or, or something something sonic or something just kind of uh, elemental from just, just like a, the sound that that's coming into their body in some some fashion. Like, yeah. do you find feeling in these sounds? And like, do, do, you, do you feel like you're conveying emotions when making these like you know you put out a tape are there to you feelings in this like is, is are there i don't want to say are there sad songs and happy songs <laughs> yeah. it down, but you know what i mean right yeah no absolutely um i think there can be an, an aspect of that um i think there are i mean i've certainly listened to some field recording uh albums where there is uh an emotional content to it um Patricia Wolf is an artist who recently did an album um, recording sounds around Mount St. Helens okay. and sort of capturing how um, the, the sort of the biome in that area had uh, sort of come back to life from sort of this disastrous uh, ecological situation. Uh, and when you listen to those recordings, I mean, and this may be influenced by the fact that you know the content or the context going into it, right? Yeah. Um, but there's this sort of like interesting, hopeful sense to a lot of the sounds. Okay. Um, there are there are other albums I've listened to where it does feel um, quite heavy. Like what if it's something looking at? Um, uh, there's one artist, Peter. Oh, I'm blanking on his last name. Uh, did a recording called "Recording of uh, Dangerous Places." Okay. And so he's gone into places like Chernobyl or oil fields, and it's all these very sort of um, you know industrial type sounds. And there is you know you get a sort of a, a dreaded like a dangerous vibe if you want to yeah, call it that yeah um in terms of what i'm doing um again i think there's there's maybe um i hesitate to use the word a politics to it i mean i am interested in things like ecology and um you know climate change as so many people are and sure. there is an aspect of that i think in some of the field recording work i've done um, but for me, I think my primary interest in sound is always the physicality of it. Um, and that might be, you know, in a more musical sense, I'm really interested in uh, the, the sensation of feeling, you know, really deep bass pressures when a, okay. when a piece is played. Um, I'm really interested in just the way sounds modulate over time. Um, that might sound really dry and analytical, but um, I'm interested in the way that, that, that those effects can um help or i guess the way that they can influence the way that you perceive things in the world you know sure sure yeah well does it uh, i guess like the other thing that i've always wondered about this kind of stuff is is you're putting it on tape which is great as someone who loves cassettes i'm, I'm happy to see that i'll be it looks like you, you saw a lot of them already which is great so obviously yeah. people are people are checking out what you're doing yeah. um is there uh, a sound quality aspect to it i mean mm. When you're putting something on a tape, one of the biggest knocks people have on tapes, especially DIY tapes, is that you know the, the quality is not as good as it could be on on whatever file format or anything. Personally, I don't care about that. I, I like to just hear something in whatever format is available, and then I'm happy. But yeah. I know that that exists, right? When yeah. you're doing something that's not as obviously, I mean, with with more traditional music, it's, it's clear what kind of sound you want to get out of that, and what yeah. you want to be, you know, what fidelity and everything you want to be put onto the tape or out of the CD or into the whatever, right? But yeah. is that an aspect here, or is it, it does does format matter? I mean, like, is, is tape sort of the preferred format mm. for music like this? Yeah, I mean, I I definitely have a a, a long standing love of tape. Um, 
back in the day, I uh, worked with Chris Jackson doing uh, Prairie Fire tapes. Oh yeah, um, right on, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely have a long-standing interest in that. And when I was doing more noise-based work, um, tape for me was like the bee's knees. Like it just sure. sounded fantastic. Like the way it saturates when you really drive the recording. Um, and so it, it almost became a bit of a default for me. Um, so the, the tape that I did on Grisaille and then uh, the new one on McCade Star, um, format was, was part of the consideration, but also I was more interested in just the labels themselves and the platform um, and sort of just the artistic um, lineup that, that existed on those labels. Um, okay. And with Brett on McCade Star, being able to work with someone locally was, was really awesome as well. Increasingly, though, I mean, I've been um, getting more and more technical in how I record, and I've been wondering whether tape is the best format for it. Um, I'm certainly, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with the way releases have gone, but as I've been focusing more and more on things like really delicate sounds, uh, especially in those higher frequencies like tape, uh, just, you know, in terms of the frequency range it can record, doesn't yeah. really help that sort of sound out very much. Um, so I, I think probably in future I'll be doing more CD, um, if vinyl comes up as a possibility at some point, that'd be awesome. But yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. It, it has been really interesting to negotiate, um, you know, the, the formats that I'm familiar with versus, you know, what's actually required of the material that I've been doing more and more of. <laughs>
that what the, the tape label um McCabe Star is that what it's called? Yep. I've seen that before. I think uh, I think I have a greenhouse release on that label. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what is the story behind that? Because I definitely have seen tapes with that logo on it, like appearing randomly. Is it a local label? It is. Yeah. Yeah. So it's run by Brett Parento. He performs as BP. Um, okay. So he actually he's worked with field recording a fair bit, um, but also like more harsh noise, power electronics. Um, he used to run a label called Male Activity. Um, okay. Yeah. 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 yeah so heard he, of that one too, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he uh, offered to put it out along with his recent batch um, with three or four other tapes that are also fantastic. Um, but I've just I've always appreciated the the you know the DIY spirit um, uh, you know and and being able to work with a local tape label again totally. was was a real plus. Um, but yeah, probably probably Brett can fill you in on more on the background of that than I can. Right, right. Well, I guess I guess that kind of leads to a question though. What is the community like for this kind of stuff? I mean, mm. there obviously are other artists doing. I mean, especially when you get to the harsher sort of side of things, right? Yeah. There's just people definitely creating um, music music that is not um, traditionally seen as music, right? Yeah. And yeah, especially yeah. using all kinds of interesting techniques and then and field recordings and things like that. So, is there a good scene like within Manitoba for this kind of music? Yeah, you know, and it, it might be surprising to someone who's maybe not from Manitoba and sort of just sees like the population from the outside. Yeah. Like there, surely there's not enough people here to support a thriving experimental music scene. Um, but it's that scene has been one of my most treasured parts of being in Winnipeg for a long time. Um, we actually just wrapped up. Um, I was playing at uh, Send and Receive, which is yeah, yeah. Uh, like an international uh, experimental music festival that happens here every year. Um, and so, I mean, that alone, uh, I think stands as a very strong testament of, you know, just how much interest there is here, which, uh, again, is a little bit unexpected for a city of our size, I think, but there is like a lot of really deep interest here. I find, um, even in the more sort of, um, you know, non-music formats like field recording or, you know, more broadly sound arts. Yeah. Do you think that that, kind of um, the appeal of that comes from sort of the city's punk background and the DIY aspect of things, because that, I mean, mm. that seems like one of the strongest uh, through lines, regardless of genre in Winnipeg and Manitoba is that there's this like desire to just make shit, you know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, regardless yeah. of what it is. And I, I don't know if it's any different than other cities, but I get the impression that, that people here are, are very much um, willing to just jump in and do something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think um, I can't speak to the, punk background um not, not so much I, like sonically but aesthetically you know like the, 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 yeah no 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 for sure i mean i think part of it is the fact that you know for half of the year we're you know trapped in minus 30 weather with you know nothing else to do yeah, uh, yeah. so you you kind of have to develop some hobbies or you know just get bored all the time um but certainly i mean way back in the day i was um more involved in like the the hip-hop scene here and it was also like very like diy just get totally. shit done um, and so, I mean, I think that's the case through a lot of genres here and the experimental side of things is, is you know, just as much a part of that. I yeah. think, I mean, there's also, I find like a lot of crossover between a lot of the scenes. So I feel like there's a lot of cross-pollination of people just being excited to do shit, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, and especially now too, with the pandemic, you know, still still <laughs> yeah. ongoing, but things are sort of opening up a bit. You just wanted to go and see shit too, not just yeah. even create, like you want to just go and see any anyone performing anything. And it's exactly. just exciting because it's been, it's been so long, yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, you mentioned earlier that, you know, like this uh, part of this project has been the fact that you're, you've been stuck in 
during the pandemic and you want to go out and sort of find new ways to explore um, just like the world, right? Um, mm. What has this been like as far as, far as um, being a creative person otherwise, though? I mean, because it seems like a lot of people are, are one or the other side of, of the coin where they've been either super creative and super motivated and they've had all these great ideas and then other people have been yes. completely blocked and they, they spent the whole pandemic just like struggling to, to do anything creative because because the situation around them is is sort of sucking the life out of uh, and the creativity out of them what is your yeah. uh, position made on that yeah it, it's been really interesting um I've, I've definitely been more creative and more productive since the pandemic which is uh I mean I, I think not uncommon, but still feels just really weird. Yeah, yeah, sure. I mean, I remember, I think it was two or three months into the start of this. Um, I had just self-produced my first uh, album, again, on tape. Um, mm-hmm. And it was the first piece of music I'd put out in, you know, four or five years. And here I was announcing at the start of the pandemic, like, hey, I know there was really shit, but does anyone want to buy music? Like just this really weird vibe, you know? Um, but I definitely found more and more people who, who were, you know, feeling the same way. I think um, for me, I mean, I'm, I'm very much an introvert. So I've, even before the pandemic, I never had a packed social schedule. Yeah. Um, but now, especially, right? Like there's just so uh, fewer things to do and fill your time with. Um, on the flip side, I think I've, I've also had periods during the past two years where um, I've had too much time to spend on it. And I just end up hitting these like creative roadblocks where I'm spending so much time focusing on a project um, that I just, you know, run out of ideas and run out of steam. Um, so it's been a weird back and forth, but largely um, I've definitely felt a lot more creative. And I think part of that also just strives from or, or derives from all of us having to look at the world a little bit more closely, right? Again, not having much to do. Um, there's so many things happening on the world stage that we might not otherwise being as, being paying uh, as much attention to. Um, yeah. So there's been a stronger drive for me to respond to a lot of those things um, from an artistic standpoint in one way or another. Well, I think it also has opened up people to discovering new types of art that maybe they wouldn't have previously yeah. uh, checked out because they have time now, right? So yeah, you, yeah. you could just, before you'd be sticking to the same four or five things you knew you loved. And then, you know, unless you were super adventurous, you wouldn't really stray from that. But now people have yeah. had just all these heaps of time to just kind of dig into new things. So I imagine yeah. that's that's helped, um, you know, generate interest in genres of, of music and other types of art that just maybe hadn't been heard by certain people before. I think it has. I mean, I've even just felt with the interest uh, in the two most recent tapes I've put out. Um, I mean, as an experimental musician, you, you know, your fan base is never <laughs> really that big, which is totally fine. It's a niche genre and that's, yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. Um, but I've definitely received a lot more interest in the work um, in, the, in the past few years than I have before that. Um, maybe it's the fact that the work is actually good now. Cause I don't know if the work before was, <laughs> you know, um, well, that but, yeah, I, but I think, but I think having a more um, captive audience to use the phrase, maybe in a weird way uh, certainly helps too.
how are people finding you? I mean, you know, like, like you said, you, you're playing a very, you're doing a very niche genre of music yeah. and uh, Winnipeg again has, has a really good community. People are, you know, support each other musically regardless of the genre. And, and there's definitely a lot of kind of, I like to call it an incestuous music scene because everyone knows each other and is in each other's bands at one point yeah. or another. And right. Sure. So there's that, but like just in general, how, how, how do you get the word out about something like this, which is not necessarily easy for the, the average person to grasp? Yeah, um, I mean, it was definitely a challenge for um, the tape that I put on on Grisai. Uh, I think I sent it around. I had a list of six or eight labels that I tried sending it to um, that I was that was keen on trying to put it out on. Um, who either you know sounds good, but we have like a two year backlog, or right. just straight up no response, <laughs> uh, which is which is not an uncommon situation for any musician, right? Sure, yeah, um, but. Definitely within the experimental um, genre, I think there are labels that act as sort of um, hallmarks of, uh, you know, noted styles of art, right? Or of yeah. music. So Grisai is one um, that I've known about for a while who puts out a lot of experimental uh, field recording, um, more minimal types of work, but also they have released like harsh noise wall tapes. So they have like quite a wide range of people who are interested in their work. Um, so for me, finding a label that had a little bit of that um, credit, so to speak, uh, yeah. was an important thing. And that that worked out really well. Um, I ended up connecting with a lot of artists who uh, had made work that I'd appreciated through the years who, you know, had an appreciation for what I was doing. Um, that's a big part of it. Um, Things like Bandcamp are yeah. another great thing. Like I just, I find that there's been uh, so much support through that platform and people just finding work organically. For sure. Um, and also just, yeah, like local things like Send and Receive, uh, they've, they are so fantastic about promoting the artists that they put on. Um, even, you know, years down the line, they will be promoting new work by artists who've performed in, in past years. That's so awesome. again, the, the community here is really helpful. Um, but yeah, um, and otherwise, like, sounds lame, but social media, I think, uh, again, sure. really small part uh, in terms of what the experimental scene is like there, uh, there, um, yeah. <laughs> whatever that is. That's kind of what I was going to ask next, actually, is that, like, there's got to be online communities for this, right? I mean, there's got to be yeah. people around the world who are doing similar projects. And I'm sure that the advent of the internet has certainly helped um, just broaden people's horizons as to what's out there. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Uh, even, uh, you know, field recording at large, I think, has been experiencing this weird surge of popularity, niche popularity online yeah. over the last few years. And I don't entirely know where that's come from. Um, maybe it's just the technology is getting more accessible. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like with everything, right, the Internet is a huge driver of discovery for those sorts of things. Um, I mean, what's weird to me, though, is that the platforms that, that a lot of that discovery takes place on, like Instagram, for example, right? is like a photo sharing social yeah. media, but like there's so much music on it. Uh, and yet yeah. there's these other, you know, social medias like SoundCloud or whatever that I don't know about you, but I find very little on SoundCloud organically. Like it seems to have just a terrible um, implementation for discovering things. There's a lot of really bad rap on there that I found. And that's about it. Like, yeah. <laughs> Bandcamp well, band has been great for finding stuff, just like searching by genre or by city or whatever. And there's been some cool stuff I found for sure. It's awesome. Yeah. Even just like the, you might also like at the bottom of like release pages is like yeah. surprisingly on point a lot of the time. Yeah. It's cool. It's, yeah. Whatever they're doing. I mean, they're doing a good job. of it. <laughs> well, and they also help give the artists a little bit of money sometimes, right? <laughs> just unlike yeah, a lot of the other for shows. sure. 
For yeah. sure. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, again, with experimental music, like <laughs> I don't think anyone ever expects to see like a profit from any totally. of this because yeah. like even just the cost of pressing a run of tapes, like you'll be lucky if you break even for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's not um, why you're doing it though, obviously. Right. So that's, yeah. no, exactly. I mean, that's one of sort of the, the nice things about the scene is that, you know, everyone is doing it for like the passion and love of doing it because you're not going to get rich off it. Like yeah. you're going to, you're going to definitely lose money doing this. <laughs> so you really have to love it. Well, I guess that's how you know what they're doing is genuine too, right? I mean, it's it, the art's being created from a real place rather than, yeah, some kind of, uh, no one's going to be uh, trying to uh, sneak into the, you know, the experimental music scene and, and try to, you know, get, use as a great, get, get rich quick screen because it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to be honest, I have seen one or two like YouTube accounts where it's sort of fringing on that. Like, okay. I guess more with, more in the field recording realm because you can do things like gear reviews you sure, uh, sure. you know you can get like microphone influencers or whatever like i mean i guess the internet is big enough to hold that sort of content but uh, yeah yeah i mean for the for the most part it is it's just a lot of genuine people who are interested in making weird shit which is yeah cool. that's this is very cool for sure yeah, yeah. um so how do people find your stuff i mean is bandcamp the best option at this point if they can't get a tape or what, where would you sort of send them to, to hear what you're doing? Yeah, uh, Bandcamp is good. ColePeters.bandcamp.com has um, four of the most recent ones. Uh, the, there's a digital there from uh, the album on Versailles. Um, McCade Stars Bandcamp is where you can find the latest tape that I put out. Yep. Uh, and then just my website, ColePeters.com, has info on all of my work, um, along with like the more visual side. So it's probably the best cool. place to go. Yeah. Cool. And then, excuse me, as far as your tapes go, I, I like I said, one of them is obviously, the newest one's obviously sold out, which is yeah. great. Um, are any of the other ones floating around? Like, do you have tapes that are out there in the world that people can find? There, yeah, there's one copy left of the Grisai tape on their band camp. So if anyone wants it, uh, go quick, because it's the last one. Um, and I sold my last five artist copies at Send and Receive. So yeah, one person out there has an opportunity for a physical copy. <laughs> Maybe by the time this actually airs, it'll be gone too, right? So yeah. that's cool. Do you ever have any intention of like repressing any of these? If they're, uh, or are they meant to be strictly short run? I think, I, yeah, I might be interested in exploring that. Um, another thing I've been thinking about is uh, putting out a uh, release of some kind of the set that I put together for Send and Receive. Um, cool. Because there's a both sort of uh, from the last two albums, there's material on that, but arranged in a different way. Okay. Uh, so there might be something like that. Um, but yeah, I think, I think there, I would like to do some repress, repress plans. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see how it plays out and, and what sort of opportunity there is for that. Well, for, so for now, other than that lucky person who gets the last copy, everything's digital and online at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, hopefully there, I will have something uh, new available uh, sort of end of this year, start of 2022. But uh, for now, yeah, one cool. person has a shot.